Hey Valley family, welcome to week number three in our series uh, that's called Winning the War in Your Mind. This is based on Craig Groeschel's book uh, by that title and he made these materials all available for churches to do series and, and, and boy we've just been hearing such great feedback. Uh, this is week number three as I said last week Pastor Stephen covered week number two. If you missed it I encourage you to go back and listen to that. It was really really critical. Kind of the, each one of these messages just build on one another and uh, you, you want to get everything that you can out of this and also we just want to recommend that you pick up the book you'll see a link uh, on our website in the sermon notes at the bottom of the sermon notes for this week a link where you can order the book we've already heard some of our valley small groups have decided they're going to go through the book together uh, as a group it's just great material uh, and really tools that we want to place in your hand make available to you uh, that are going to help you not just during this four-week series, but also in the future as well, because this is a battle, winning the war in your mind, that, that we face every single day. As long as we're living on this planet, there's going to be a battle, uh, and we need to win it when it comes to our thoughts. So let me just start out, uh, you know, for all of you on online campus, thanks for joining us. Uh, let me ask this question. Maybe you can relate to this. I think if I'm really honest, uh, right now I'm in the middle of probably a I'm living a pretty decent life. Uh, you know, uh, I, I look around, I've certainly been blessed uh, in so many ways, and yet uh, still find things to complain about. Still find things, although I'm really living a, a pretty decent, a pretty good life, still I can find things, and I don't have to look hard to complain about. Uh, if, uh, if that's the case, online right now, just put it in the chat, uh, me too. So I know I'm not alone there, you know. Uh, yeah, me too. Living a pretty good life doesn't mean it's perfect, but it's a lot better than most of the time we actually recognize. And yet, so many times, it's so easy to dwell on the negative instead of the positive. And, and that's what I want to talk about today in this week number three message in this series is how to defeat negative thoughts. Uh, because your life and my life is often the reflection of the thoughts that we think. And, and our minds so many times are really a battlefield. And what comes into your mind comes out in your life. And so it doesn't matter even what the actual situations or circumstances are around us. It's what, comes, what is in our minds, that's what comes out in our life. And uh, next week we're going to be finishing up the series. I want to invite you back to join us uh, for that, the conclusion of the series. And we're going to be talking about how to calm your anxious mind. Uh, and that's next week. But today we want to talk about and look at defeating negative thoughts. And I want to go back to uh, kind of the framework for this message series. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit's inspiring his writing. We unpack this week one. And it says here to the Church of Corinth and to you and me as well by the Holy Spirit for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world on the contrary they have divine power we talked about that word dunamis where we get dynamite from to demolish strongholds and he goes on and says we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought every thought which are the ones we take captive? The ones that are not obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make them obedient to Christ. 
When we talk about taking captive, what that literally means is wrong patterns of thinking that have developed over the years. We have to take those patterns captive and we have to say, no, the truth of God's word is more powerful than these lies, these perceptions that I have that are really contrary uh, and contradiction to the truth of God's word. And and that was one of the most powerful points, I think, last week in the message Pastor Stephen gave, uh, not only his personal testimony, but also those faith statements, those decrees of this is what God's word says about me. This is what God's word says about you. We have to replace those lies, those thoughts, take them captive and make them obedient to the truth of God's word. And we looked at also in the last few weeks about uh, the neural pathways in our minds and, and that is the whole idea that actually these paths, these trenches, if you will, of thoughts that, that science actually even tells us, medical science, that the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. And so they become these ruts that you and I get into, and it's really hard unless it's deliberate and intentional and using God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit to jump out of those ruts that we think about, that we get in these patterns of thinking. Today I want to talk about uh, another uh, medical science, you know, in terms of psychology, a real important point that... uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel brings out in his book, and that is cognitive biases. And I guess the simple way to identify these or explain what a cognitive bias is, think about it's a mental filter, if you will, a mental filter. So here's a definition of cognitive bias, and this is in your notes on our website, the sermon notes. Cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on personal experience or preference. In other words, it's a mental filter that impacts how we think. Have you ever, you know, uh, you see like an event, some sort of, uh, well, let me put it this way. Take a sports game, take football, for instance. Two people at the same game, watching the same game, but they have very different experiences because of the mental filter that they have on. Maybe one is a Dallas Cowboy fan and he's saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And maybe one's a Giants fan. And, and uh, you, well, you know, they need Jesus. And, and so they're watching the same game go on on the field. The Cowboys beat the Giants 45 to nothing. The Cowboys saw the same thing. They're overjoyed. The Giant fans are, you know, just rejected and they, they're depressed and all that. They're seeing the same thing, but because they have a filter on the same event they watch, but they have completely different reaction to the filter. That's what cognitive bias is. It's the same event, the exact same thing that we see, but because of our filter, we view that event completely different. And this happens all the time in life. This happens to us constantly And it's really important that we recognize because so many times this cognitive bias is completely contradictory to the truth of God's word, to to what it means to live a Christian life. And so we have to identify, and it's one of the things that we have to really take captive, these negative thoughts that we have. Maybe maybe you grew up, a couple more examples, maybe you grew up uh, around abusive men. And so your cognitive bias is men in general cannot be trusted. And the reality is men can be trusted. There are some men that can't be trusted. But because of your personal experience, the cognitive bias says you cannot trust men. Maybe uh, your parents 
when you were growing up, told you that, that rich people are bad, rich people are evil, they only get their wealth because they're corrupt. And, and so as you begin to experience some success in your life, you begin to feel guilty about it because of the cognitive bias, because of the filter that you have. You're succeeding now, something's wrong, I'm doing something, this can't be right, and you have this latent feeling of guilt. The filters that you have shape the way that you view life. And if you change your filter, you change the way you feel. If you say, I'm no longer rooting for the Giants, I'm rooting for the Cowboys, you're going to feel better when you watch the Cowboys thrash the Giants. Understand? So, so of course, I jest, but I think it's a great example of how powerful this really is, the cognitive bias. We're pre-wired. It becomes our, our default filter. We're actually pre-wired to interpret events through our cognitive bias. And it's really not the reality of what the event is. It's all about our filter. This is why two people respond differently, like the Cowboys and the Giants, uh, to the exact same situation. And here's the thing. It's not, just that, it's not that the facts are different. The facts are exactly the same. It's the filter of the person viewing the facts. That's where the perception comes. So, so maybe you have, your cognitive bias is that, that church is just full of a, a bunch of hypocrites. Or maybe you've had a great church experience and you're like, I just love coming into the presence of God and worshiping God with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And you long, Sunday is your favorite day of the week. It's the same experience can come into a service here at Valley Christian Church. Someone who thinks church is full of hypocrites, they're gonna see it very, very differently. Someone who believes the presence of God is actually there. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. They're going to experience the power of God. And it's because of the filter. It doesn't change the facts. It's because of the filter. This is why, you know, you read different news sources and there's different perspectives. Think about even the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. For some people, the COVID vaccine is like, this is what's going to bring peace, tranquility, the end of all war, and save my marriage if I just take the vaccine. That's how some people view it through their filter. Others are, this is the coming of the Antichrist, 666, and now the government's going to be able to track us. They're both looking at the same syringe, but it is the filter, the political, politicized filter, now you're messing with us, Greg, but listen, is the politicized filter, it has nothing to do with facts. It has everything to do with cognitive bias, a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences and preferences, not based on reality at all. This is the reason why so many Christians never live the life that Jesus came to give them on this planet because of cognitive bias, because of negative thoughts in our minds that predispose us to experience, no matter what the, the event is, a, already we've predetermined how we're gonna view certain events. A great example of this in the Bible, think about Numbers chapter 13 and 14, you can read this for your, on your own, when, when the nation of Israel under, with Moses as a leader came to the promised land and Moses sent out 12 spies, 12 spies to spy out the promised land, the land that God had promised to the nation of Israel. When the 12 came back, 10 of the spies, they were all there together, 10 of the spies said, there's giants in the land, we're like grasshoppers, that land is going to just engulf us. There's no way that we can take that land. 
two spies out of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, they said, God has given us that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's ours because God has promised, us, promised it to us. Exact same event, exact same scenery, exact same stimulus, if you want to put it that way. Ten, because of their cognitive bias, negative, there's no way. They're giants. They didn't interview giants. They didn't measure anybody. It was their bias that they saw themselves as grasshoppers and they saw the Canaanites as giants. And just Joshua and Caleb said, no, God promised it to us. We can do it. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that God allowed of that entire generation to go into the promised land. Everyone else died. It's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And and so I encourage you to read that story in Numbers 13 and 14. It it really kind of accentuates what we're talking about here. So it's not that the facts are different. It's that the filter is different. And it's not just the filter. It's also the, the, the framework by which we view the events. That's what cognitive bias is. The same situation, it depends on how you frame it that determines how you see the situation. So I want to share with you this tool that's really powerful that you find in the book that Pastor Craig Rochelle talks about, Winning the War of Your Mind, about reframing. And reframing, here's the definition, creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning that we have to actually reframe it. Let me show you a a picture, for instance. Look at this picture. So maybe you wake up, and here's a frame, so we're going to frame it. Maybe you wake up in the morning, and it's like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do today. I don't know how I'm going to get it done. Oh, I got to go to work. And that that guy I work with, he drives me nuts. He never gets the stuff to me that I need in time. You know, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get this done? You know, just another day that the company owns my soul, you know, and, and I hadn't gotten a raise in three years. And man, you know, if I was the boss, I could just do things better, you know, but no one listens to all the different opinions that I have about everything. Negative framework. Or this. This is the day that the Lord has made. God has planned and purpose this day, and he's got some things that he wants me to accomplish. And no, it's not going to be easy, but he said he'd never leave me or forsake me, and I am going to walk a walk of faith and trust in God today. I am prayed up. I have spent time with Jesus this morning, and I am going to embrace and seize this day that God has given to me. It's the exact same picture, but it's how you frame it that makes all the difference in the world. Reframing the situation. See, the reality is this. You can't control what happens to you, but you can't control how you frame it. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. You ever wanted something like really, really big in life and you you experienced the opposite? You know, maybe you worked real hard, you know, went through college, got your degree, got a job, it was like the dream job, and now you've been in it for a few years, and you really feel like, uh, man, I'm, I'm overqualified for this now, and this is kind of beneath me, and, you know, I, maybe I'm just going to go into a different field of work. This really isn't what I want. Or, or maybe you dream that, you know, one day you'd have a great marriage, and you married your, your high school sweetheart, and it ended in divorce. Same picture, it's how you frame it. 
cognitive bias. The, the, the point of life is that you expected something different, something better, and that's not what happened. If, if that's your experience, you know, you're not alone. The Apostle Paul, same exact thing happened to him. He, he dreamed of, of preaching in Rome, and instead of preaching to crowds in Rome, he found himself in a prison, chained to a wall. And, and Paul could have framed his situation from a, from a negative framework. And, and, and if he had, this is what the scripture would look like in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. This is the, the new winer's version for those who, who whine. It's actually not a version, but if, if he was framing it negatively, this is what he would have said. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. As a result of all the hell I've been through, I'm quitting my valley group and I'm never going back to church. That's the new whiner's version. But instead, Paul, who was dreaming of preaching to the crowds in Rome, found himself in prison, chained to the wall of a dirty, dark, damp dungeon in Rome. Listen to how he framed it. This is what the Bible actually says. The New International Version, Philippians 1, 12 through 13. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Exact same situation. That if he had framed it with negativity, and from his own personal opinion, it would have looked very different. But instead, he framed it positively from the eyes of God, the eyes of faith. And, and listen, y'all, there is so much going on in our community today, in our nation today, that is being framed not with God's perspective, not with the perspective of faith, but with the framework of negativity and fear. That's why I think for many of us, we need to just stop listening to the news. Because the news wants to keep you and I afraid and keep us coming back to get our daily dose of fear and anxiety. That's not what God has for us. And not to continue down these ruts of negativity, these, these bias, these filters that we have, but instead to look higher and to look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and get his perspective on the events that you and I are living through. Not worldly, tainted, twisted perspective, but God's perspective. This is God's perspective that Paul framed what many of us would look at as an unfortunate wrong that's been, ha that's been done to Paul. And instead he said, no, the gospel's actually going forth. This, this is good. It's actually served to advance the gospel. So powerful and so important in the day in which we live. And, and so what most people would have thought was bad, let's go, to, you know, let's go to our picture here. What most people would have thought about was bad, you know, Paul didn't get to preach, he's chained 
Oh man, this is just awful. You, you know, they're stifling. They're silencing the voice of the Apostle Paul. Paul was like, no, they're not. I get a new jailer. Uh, you know, he comes every eight hours and they chain him to me and I give him an eight-hour sermon every single time. He can't go anywhere. That prison guard's got to listen to everything that I say. I got a captive audience. He's saying it has actually worked better because I'm in prison for the spread of the gospel. Same picture, how to deframe it. This is the, the frame of faith. This is the frame of trusting God. This is the frame of leaning on the Holy Spirit and seeing that God is actually doing a whole lot more than just the negativity that we see and dwelling on it and seeing a worldly, carnal mindset to the events and the circumstances around us and in our own life. Paul said, no, this is a good thing that's happened. This is a good thing. In fact, he goes on and he says in the next verse, Philippians 1.14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Let's go back to that picture one more time if we could. Do you see? He goes, because I'm in chains, more people, instead of fear, they've moved to faith. Because of the, the, the situation I find myself in, I'm not here, he says. I'm here, and you know what's happened? More people that would have been afraid, would have been terrified, instead have reframed the events and circumstances of their life. They're more emboldened to share the gospel without fear to proclaim it than ever before. This is so powerful. And I hope that at the end of this message, you just remember this crazy frame, and we begin to really implement this tool of reframing in our lives. And so I want to give you right now three tools, just practically how to do this, reframing your story and your relationships. Reframing your story, your own personal story, and your relationships. Here's the first thing, I think, that the first step, and Pastor Craig Rochelle talks about this in his book. First thing is this, thank God for what didn't happen. <laughs> thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for some of the things that in your life, they, they were tough, but you know what? It could have been even worse. It could have been even much worse. I think when we get to heaven one day and we just, we know all that there is to know and we see everything perfectly and clearly, I think we're going to realize some of the hardest stuff that we went through in life, it could have been much, much worse had it not been for God's grace, that he held it back. Thank God for what didn't happen. You know, it kind of reminds me of the story of the girl that, came home one night on a Saturday night and, uh, you know, told her parents that she'd met a guy <coughs> a few weeks back in a bar, and uh, they actually slept together, and that she was pregnant. And uh, the encouraging, the good news was that, that he only had one more year left of probation, and uh, he'd start looking for a job after probation was over, but... Uh, after he got out of rehab, but uh, he, he, he's considering maybe marrying her, he's not sure, but uh, can't really afford a place to live, so he's going to be moving in tomorrow, and, and the parents were just aghast, you know, just, just total shock and stunned, and she actually said, actually, none of that's true, uh, I did get a D in chemistry, though, could have been a lot worse, and they were like, oh, it's all how you frame it, it's all how you frame it. Thank God 
for what didn't happen. Maybe you missed your goals in 2020 if you're in sales. Maybe you didn't get your bonus that, that you were hoping for. But you know, a lot of people lost their jobs in 2020. Thank God you, you still get a paycheck. Thank God you're not unemployed. Maybe you get in a fender bender. Thank God your car wasn't total. Thank God no one was injured. I think one of the first things we need to do to begin to reframe our story and our relationships is to thank God for what didn't happen to us. Realizing he's probably in a whole lot more control than we ever give him credit for. Thank God for what didn't happen. The second thing is this, practice reframing. Practice reframing. Our thoughts, our frames, uh, it's shaped by what we experience. And, and so we have to change it around to, to, to really reframe the situation. So many times things happen in our lives and we're like, oh, that's a negative. But, but in actuality, God wants to, us to reframe it. It wasn't a negative, it was actually a positive. In, in my own life, I had an intention in my life, a plan, a dream for my life, and, and that was I was going to play college football, go to the University of Georgia, uh, win the Heisman Trophy, and then when I won the Heisman Trophy, I was going to give all the credit to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That was my big dream. Last play of my senior year in high school, things were kind of moving in a positive down that road, that direction. Last play of my senior year in high school of a scrimmage, I got sacked, Hyde Park, Roosevelt High School. My wrist went backwards, snapped, shattered my wrist, couldn't even pick up a football. Done. I was heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. But I will say this, had that not happened and I couldn't even throw a football until literally years later, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be where I am today. And so as difficult as that was that I went through, God saved me to fulfill the plan and purpose he created me for. It wasn't to win the Heisman. It wasn't to go to the University of Georgia. If I'd have gone there, I never would have met my wife, Susie. So many things in our life, we have to reframe the situation and realize God is actually guiding it and directing us in the place that he wants us to be. We have to pre-frame it. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, I... I, I in my life, I, like, I don't like pressure. You know, feeling pressure. There's, there's pressure to lead. There's pressure. I've been in a lot of pressure situations and all. Sometimes there's like crisis in the church. Uh, we've faced a few crises over the last 30, or, you know, 30 years, three decades. And, and yet, I've just found in the middle of that, as much as I don't like it, that, that's kind of when, when the leader that Greg is, that comes to the surface. So one of the things, even with our girls, when, when they feel pressure for like the SATs or something like that or some event, something coming up, we, I would always tell them, pressure's a privilege. Pressure's a privilege. The reason you're feeling pressure is because you're in the place that God's placed you. And, and so if you ask my girls, what is pressure? They'd tell you, fresh bread. That's fresh bread. Williamson's, we eat that up. Pressure is a privilege. Instead of, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. No, God, thank you for this position you put me in, so I'm under some pressure. 
This is not a situation I want to deal with, but I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this in a way that's going to bring glory to you, Lord. Pressure is a privilege. We've got to reframe it. All pressure's not bad. Maybe God is, you know, no pressure, no diamonds. Ever heard that before? No pressure, no diamonds. Just a bunch of goop. It's pressure that causes diamonds. So to reframe it, these things that we would see so many times in our lives as negative, instead see them as a positive. Preframe it. Thank God that, that uh, some things didn't happen. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Preframe it. And here's the third one. Look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness in every situation. You always find what you're looking for. If you're looking for rejection, you're going to find it. If you're looking for negativity, you're going to find it. If, if you're looking to point out all the problems in the world, guess what? You're going to find them, and you're not going to be a very happy person, and people aren't going to like being around you either. That's why I say we need to dial back the bad news, because by the way, it's all bad news. The only good news is in God's Word. We need to dial back how much we're letting that into us because it's affecting every one of us more than we realize. And we need to spend more time in God's word. The good news. That's literally what the gospel is, the good news. You know, it's the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. A vulture, what does a vul vulture do? A vulture flies around looking for something dead and disgusting to pick on. A hummingbird flies around looking for something sweet and savory. Are you a vulture or are you a hummingbird? It's all in how you frame it. Frame it from God's perspective, hummingbird. World's perspective, vulture. If you want to see bad, you'll find bad. If you want to see negative, you'll find negative and you'll face challenge after challenge after challenge, heartbreak after heartbreak, disappointment after disappointment. If you want to see good, you'll find positive and you'll also find opportunities as well. That was the perspective that the Apostle Paul had in prison. That's the perspective that you and I can have as well. Cognitive reframing, remember, it's empowering you to decide really what is the meaning behind the event you're experiencing, that thing. And, and more than letting even just in our own mind and thinking reframe it, how about we let Jesus reframe the situation? Let, let's go back to that picture again. You know, so many people look at 2020 and they say, man, that was, that was the worst year ever. That was the hardest year. It was a hard year. I'm not going to lie. It was a hard year. Personal experience may be the hardest, but it wasn't all bad. I think for many of us, we need to kind of reframe 2020 because there was a lot of good stuff. When, when you really look, there was a lot of good stuff in Greg Williamson's own life that happened in 2020. I, I had a daughter that got engaged in 2020. In, in the midst of COVID-19, I lost 30 pounds. Because I finally found a way to get back and prioritize my own personal health. Instead of just my spiritual health, my own physical health as well. And so that was something that would not have happened if it weren't for COVID-19 and the shut-in, the shutdown. You know what else happened during the shutdown? Some, some, some friends that, that we've been friends with became like family. 
that, that we leaned on. And, and our relationships became stronger with some other folks. We had to reframe 2020. It wasn't all bad. There were some really good things that happened in, in 2020. Susie and I paid the last of college tuitions for our daughter. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, in 2020. Now we got a little bit of change in our pocket instead of, you know, you know just like $2 above poverty uh, after they cleaned us out there. That's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. All that happened in, in 2020. Not only that, Valley Christian Church, it was the biggest attendance participation year in the history of our church. 46 years. 45-year history of our church. Our church is larger than it's ever been. More, more people getting saved, more, more newcomers to our church, even when we were shut down for five months in 2020. That's what happened in 2020. We gotta reframe it. And we gotta give God glory for his goodness in all of it. Not only that, income highest in the history of our church in 2020, when we didn't even have in-person services for five months. God did that. Man, I encourage you to check out our, our annual report on our giving page of our website. You can download that. Thousands of people that we fed through Spread Hope. All that in 2020. You can look here and get depressed and, and, and focus on what the world and what the news wants you to focus on. Look here. Be full of anxiety, fear. D don't give God any credit. Don't trust. Or you can reframe it. God, you know what? There was a silver lining, and I'm going to give you glory for that today. It's all on how you frame Because the event is the same. It's all about the filter that you view it through. It's all about the framework. I'm choosing. Not to say 2020 was a rose garden. There were some thorns. But you know what? There were some real roses as well. And God, I just want to give you thanks and glory for the roses instead of staring at the thorns. It's all on the way you view it. It's all on the way that you frame it. The Apostle Paul said, this has actually turned out to be an advantage for the gospel that I've been imprisoned. This is what later on he wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 28. He said, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, even 2020 even a pandemic, even COVID-19. If you love God and are called according to his purpose, let's frame it. Let's reframe it the way that God wants us to. We need to reject unhealthy default frames personally. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm not smart. We need to reframe our thinking, and our relationships. Not passively receiving what the world's telling us how to frame things, but actively interpreting circumstances through God's word. See, don't, interpretate, don't, interpret, God's, uh, don't interpret God through circumstances. Interpret circumstances through the goodness of God. Don't interpret God through circumstances. Interpret circumstances through the goodness of God. Let's go back to that picture again. 
COVID-19, God, where are you? He's like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm with you. It's the same picture. Not interpreting through events who God is. No. God, this is who you are, and I'm going to view events through your filter of who you are. I trust you. I know you're looking out for me. I know you'll never leave me or forsake. I know that I'm, I'm more valuable to you. I'm so valuable that that's why you set your son Jesus to die for me. I'm not a loser. I'm not a reject. We have to reframe events not to interpret who God is, but let God reframe events and situations and circumstances in our lives to tell us what's the good that he's bringing, even out of difficulty. That's why Paul could say, what has actually happened to me served to advance the gospel. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. The choice is yours. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that, that comes and your word interrupts negative thoughts that are contradictory to the truth of your word that, that, that cause us to question your goodness in our lives. God, just as you have been so gently and tenderly, we just pray right now you continue by your Holy Spirit to identify these negative biases, these filters that we have, that we experience life through. And Lord, help us to reframe the events and circumstances and our relationships, Lord, through the goodness of you, through the, the truth of your word, that we would recognize that because we love you, Lord, you're gonna work all things together for good because we love you and we're called according to your purpose. Thank you for this example of the Apostle Paul and how it shows us we can reframe any situation and we can begin to see your goodness in the middle of it. And Lord, we're gonna give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.